0: Welcome to the PriceWall podcast. It's March 30th of 2022, and we are honored to have Brandon Soika of NutraSure and Dr. Hector Lopez of MPI Biosciences with us today. We are going to talk about omegas because NutraSure has a new ingredient called smart, smart Prime, and it's going to help us... Uh, take better advantage of our Omega three status and do a whole lot of things to make fish oils and similar products even better. So welcome to the podcast, gentlemen, I'd love to have you give some brief introductions. I know you both have very, very, um, legacy status in the, in the industry, but let's do some brief introductions. And let's just talk about the problem and how you're solving it.
1: Yeah. Brandon, go ahead. You want to go first and I'll chime in. Sure.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Uh, like you said, uh, founder and CEO of Nutrishure, um, been in the industry now for the uh, better part of almost two decades. And, uh, you know, went from having my own brand at MyoChem to being on the contract manufacturing side, uh, doing consulting work, uh, ingredient distribution. Um, and then now, obviously, with uh, um, having an awesome opportunity to uh, be the first and the exclusive distributor of Smart Prime OM.
3: And Hector's is a little bit longer, but I think we can, <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep it brief. I'll
1: keep it brief. And then just, uh, I'll just, I'll send you guys a bio and then you could always, I guess, pin that just or something. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I know it gets funny sometimes. And then, you know, the, the more we do in the industry, right, the longer the bio gets, um, look, I, I think just, uh, uh, real briefly, I'm a physician scientist. I, um, uh, my first real passion or love was, uh, sports nutrition. Um, and then, I got into more of the hardcore nutritional biochemistry uh, when I went into undergrad. I thought eventually I'd be working in industry, um, and then my dad ended up having some health issues late in my undergraduate years, um, and that brought me closer to medicine. And then I realized what a huge gap uh, this was in the 90s. You know what a huge gap there was in uh, in terms of you know with between conventional medicine on the one island, which seemed to have been operating almost on its own sort of island in its own swim lane uh, and there was really not enough crosstalk I felt with things that were happening in at the time exercise physiology exercise science nutrition applied nutrition um, even you know room and opportunity back in the 90s for dietary supplementation um, you know the technology now and the and 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 the evidence base that we have now is enormous of course compared to back in the early and mid 90s but um, that sort of brought me back into that brought me into medicine. And then I trained at Northwestern in Chicago. I did my um, my residency there. I stayed there for fellowship, uh, did a master's in nutritional biochemistry. and it was while I was there, uh, while I was in med school actually, I was already consulting in the industry. Uh, and lo and behold actually one of my first consulting gigs, uh, besides doing some ghostwriting for for some of the more, uh, preeminent sports nutrition brands at the time in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, many of them have gone through acquisitions since. But um, actually, one of my first consulting gigs relative to what we're going to be covering here today was Nordic Naturals. So when Nordic Naturals first came on the scene, I was one of their medical advisors. Um, and I was doing that while I was a resident. Um, and uh, And then after residency and after postgraduate training, while I was there, Uh, I I really fell in love with finding ways to do clinical research and applying advances in dietary supplements. At the time, for example, I ran a small pilot study using creatine monohydrate in chronic stroke patients. Um, And that was in 2004, 2005. Um, And the result of that work ended up, um, basically, many of the Chicagoland area hospitals brought in creatine monohydrate as part of their formulary. So you could use it with uh, anyone in an acute rehab hospital who had a brain injury, spinal cord injury, um, a stroke, um, and even general orthopedic rehab. Um, So that was was pretty cool because I was able to kind of uh, cross over and bring something that at the time was really relegated as just a strength power supplement in the early 2000s, you know, um, and a sports nutrition and a quote unquote bodybuilding supplement. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to bring that into um, into clinical medicine. Um, fast forward uh, after that I went into private practice here in New Jersey started off some um, some pretty successful spine and sports medicine practices really was um, pretty unique because every every office had um, a medical suite we had a procedure suite where back then I was doing PRP and bone marrow aspirates and under ultrasound guidance. Um, So we were doing regenerative medicine uh, very early. Um, This was in probably 2008, 2007, 2008, 9, 10. Um, And then everyone was also getting a consultation with respect to how do you also apply um, we were calling it nutritional optimization or metabolic optimization. Basically, how do you um, allow patients to get better faster? Um, so they were getting chiropractic medical treatment, they were getting procedures. We had a little bit of a strength and conditioning, like PT gym in every office. So everyone was getting therapeutic exercise, working with PT, um, and then getting, you know, basically n- nutritional supplement protocols while they were in the gym, they would have access to some cocktails that I put together. Um, uh, which is, you know, nothing that anyone now would say is uh revolutionary but back then it was pretty unique you know so we had uh hydroxylysine hydroxypoline, uh, vitamin c we had some um back then we used nox good old nox gelatin as our collagen source um and then i had an essential amino acid cocktail blend which was basically provided the flavor as well the flavored base um, and then when you combine that with vitamin d and vitamin k2 and high dose fish oil In 2008, 2009, you know, it it allowed us to create a big buzz in the community because patients, as you can imagine, were getting they were they were being discharged healthier and feeling better and performing at a higher level than they were before their injury. Um, So uh, later on, I ended up uh, divesting from the clinical practice, Uh, had a falling out with one of my partners uh, at the time, and that allowed me to basically just put all my energy into the industry full bore. So in 2011, 2010, I partnered with Tim Ziegenfuss. Uh, We started doing clinical research together uh, at our CRO, the Center for Applied Health Sciences. Uh, Shortly thereafter, also um, founded, co-founded supplement safety solutions where we do regulatory compliance and neutral vigilance or adverse event reporting, Uh, basically safety, uh, post-market safety, like Um, Somebody watching the cookie jar, if you will, which is a federal mandate, but many uh, brands weren't aware uh, that they they needed to have a system in place for that. And then in parallel along the way, you know, that little black book of ideas and concepts for IP um, actually had an an opportunity to use the lab um, in Ohio with Tim as almost like a little incubator the mini incubator. So it was really it it ended up turning into an awesome um, opportunity. And it's you know, we've been living the dream ever since because it's allowed us to, you know, uh, develop and discover and commercialize new ingredients. We've got probably five or six others in the pipeline. Uh, We've got about 15 in the marketplace now. So it's been uh, it's been a, a heck of a ride. And it seems like there's there's a lot more left in the in the roller coaster still. So.
3: Cool. so a lot of uh viewers will or listeners in that case uh will recognize pector uh, because of a lot of the ingredients that we already talked about uh you know your vaso drive AP or a few different we've t- we've talked about or referenced with you but today we're actually going to be talking about an ingredient that um very few people have spoken about at all uh, this is kind of a bit of a coming out party at least at, at price blouse content uh with nutri uh, smart prime so I I've, I kind of feel like the best way to do this is just kind of to jump in and, and just start to this, uh, discuss it. Is is there any background that you want to cover before we start to talk about? Uh, we I know we've talked about a lot of background already, but in terms of uh, Smart Prime and how we get into the conversation of what it is and what it does for the community.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the best way to start. What problem are we solving here?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. So with Smart Prime, um, a, a personal friend and colleague and, and business partner, of mine, Ryan Yates. He's a farm D PhD. Um, we kind of connected a few years ago, um, through some other parallel work on dynamine and T actually. Um, he was doing some PK work for us, um, as a pharmacologist and we started talking and he told me about his interest in basically polyunsaturated fatty acid metabolism, PUFAs, right? So, um, you know, for the audience or the listeners, um, uh, you know, PUFAs are, Um, uh, part of the class of fats or lipids. Uh, Lipids can be classified into saturated fats or saturated fatty acids, of course. Um, And they uh, vary depending on the the length of their chain. And the things that can um, affect how a fatty acid operates in the body are how long is the fatty acid, the length of the chain, right? Is it short chain? Is it medium chain? Is it longer chain? Um, you know, within the short chain saturated fatty acids, you've got obviously butyric acid, you've got acetic acid, two carbons, propionic acid, three carbons, butyrates, um, get a lot of attention clearly, uh, as a postbiotic. Um, and then you, you go into the MCTs, uh, the medium chain triglycerides from, uh, six all the way through 10 or 12, depending on, uh, who you read and who you ask. And then, um, and then you've got long chain after that, right? So the longer the chain, the more sat, the more um, solid that's that fat is typically going to sit at room temperature. Uh, and then you get into the unsaturated fatty acids, and within unsaturated, you have the MUFAs, the monounsaturates. Uh, the most common, of course, of which is good old uh, lovely oleic acid, found in avocado, found in olive oil, of course, and many other nuts and seeds as well, but mostly in olive oil and avocado as a higher percentage of those fats. And then you have polyunsaturated fatty acids. And this is the category that omega-6 and omega-3s typically live in. Um, And within omega-3s, you've got the shorter chain plant-based omega-3s like alpha-linolenic acid or ALA. Uh, And then you've got the longer chain ones that are found typically in um, cold water fish or uh marine organisms uh from algae all the way to uh fish so uh that's epa dpa dha for example those are longer chain and they're omega-3 they have many um uh, double bonds so they're unsaturated Um, the more unsaturated the fatty acid typically the more prone to oxidation it is but also in many respects the more powerful it can be as a signaling agent in the body so uh, Dr. Smith, basically Ryan Smith, said, "Listen, I'm really interested in proof of metabolism," and I said, "Well, that's funny. I mean, so am I, but I've kind of left it alone. Um, I left, I had left it behind me in 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 a way, uh, maybe four or five years previously. But I did have some ideas or some concepts that could eventually be IP. Potentially, I thought there was something, some things that I thought no one in the industry was really looking at that angle. Uh, he was looking at it from a very unique." aspect. And he actually gave us access to um, the Oak Ridge National Library's supercomputer and also access to someone who has um, developed a very unique um, uh, engine, uh, machine learning engine and AI engine. And, you know, the way I like to say about like, with AI, it's a buzzword, everyone's using it, many people are using it these days. I think many people get ahead of their skis when it comes to saying, oh, it's AI driven or AI based. I mean, if you use Google, you're using AI, right? (laughs) I mean, if you're using PubMed, you're using AI, too, to some extent. Um, I think with the more powerful algorithms that are predictive, um, it's a little bit like getting handed the keys to a Formula One sports car, right? I mean... in in the wrong hands, you're really not gonna do much with it, right? And that's the thing with an AI engine, as powerful as it may be, you have to have great access to a a heck of a database, which most of them can do. Uh, But then if you get this like readout or an output of an AI query, what do you do with that? Um, That's where I think the expertise, subject matter expertise, knowing a lot of the biochemical and molecular pathways already also having the understanding of the regulatory environment that we live in, um, you can start eliminating options very quickly and say, well, we know that's not going to be DeShea compliant. We know that's not that's going to require grass Uh, or it's going to require grass, but it's feasible or it's going to require grass and we may never get it and spend seven figures. Right. Um, So so I think that that was a very powerful opportunity for us to ask questions about um, where are there some gaps in the fish oil category, um, we felt like one of those gaps was um, why is fish oil not better, not performing better? On you know on paper it should cure almost everything, right? Um, but but it doesn't, and and so there there were definitely some gaps. Whether it's cardiovascular disease or cardiometabolic disease, or any sort of liver uh, fatty liver disease like you know Nash or or or. Uh, and NAFLD, um, we felt like the data was just not panning out. So we we used the AI engine to basically take a real deep dive into this category. And what we discovered was the reason why I think many meta-analyses when it comes to fish oil were disappointing. um, And you see those headlines all the time, right? Whenever there's a new study, that's a negative study on fish oil. Um, you know, the media is very quick to, you know, jump all over that, you know, official is a waste of time. It doesn't really do anything for primary prevention or uh, heart disease or even cognitive function, um, when, when supplemented. So, uh, we took a deep dive and we found out there were definitely some limitations, mostly related to the nutrigenetics of fish oil metabolism and polyunsaturated fatty acid metabolism. So. That's w- w- how we arrived at uh, Smart Prime ultimately.
0: So the the issue is that is with the people that <laughs> we're not able to process the omega threes properly, or we're
1: it, it's sick it's a modern environment
0: story. or like what?
1: Yeah, so uh, Mike, it, it's an interesting story actually. So um, if if you had the the genotype that was present in sub-Saharan Africa and developed out of sub-Saharan Africa. As you can imagine, uh, as a cohort, as a population, you didn't really have access to the coast, right? If you're in Central Africa, you're not getting to the coast anytime soon. But you still have a need, right, for EPA, for DHA, for DPA, um, for these really long-chain polyunsaturated or highly unsaturated fatty acids. And typically, you don't find those in many of the foodstuffs that are around you in Central Africa, right? I mean, you may get access to perilla, get access to flax, sure. Um, Even ahi flour, to some extent, you might get access to, right? And, um, you know, for the listeners and the viewers, you guys know this, but those are short-chain omega-3 fatty acids that the body will then need to convert into the business end, right? Into the EPA, DPA, and DHA. So what's interesting is if you carry a SNP or an allele um, that was very predominant from some sub-Saharan Africa, then you are actually going to be a hyper metabolizer of polyunsaturated fatty acids. So what's fascinating about that is if you're fed a very wholesome diet, rich in flax, perilla, um, even if you get a little bit of access to omega-6, from animal meats, from you know, some hunter gatherer activity, um, uh, even from grains. Because your, your ratio is under con- somewhat under control, right, of omega 6 to omega 3, even in that precursor form, you're going to be, because you're a hypermetabolizer, you're going to make much more of the end products. And the end products, right, are EPA, DPA, DHA on the omega 3 side. On the omega six side, it's arachidonic acid, right, which is often labeled as the bad guy, the bad, you know, pro-inflammatory fat. Which there's more nuance to that as well, but you know, we can dig into that later if you want. So you're basically um,
0: looking at it from like a, like an evolutionary evolution. standpoint. Those that were in Africa really needed to hyper metabolize whatever they could to get to. We need EPA DHA for the brain development, fetal development, all that kind of good stuff. So they became hyper. Uh, really good at it because they're forced to evolutionarily or that's kind of like the theory that we've run with. It it provided
1: an evolutionary fitness advantage. It provided an advantage if you developed a genotype or a SNP that made you very good at making those end products.
0: But if I feed them a bunch of soybean oil, we're gonna end up with a lot of ARA, arachidonic acid. Bingo,
1: you take that individual, you take them out of there and you put them in downtown Baltimore (laughs) and 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 you give them access to, a ton of packaged goods and, you know, to your point, right, omega-6 laden rich foods, and you don't give them much access to omega-3 or preformed, let alone preformed omega-3 EPA, DHA, DPA, you're, you're in trouble because you've got arachidonic acid overload, essentially, right, is what you've got. Yeah.
0: Right, okay, so what, what, are, you, what are you doing about this? And, and So is this ingredient just for those types of individuals or are you just using this as an example to talk about
1: that's yes, a different. proof of concept. Yeah, that's just right. a way to get, to get people to start thinking, oh, I see. So we have genes mm-hmm. that create enzymes that allow us to actually still, you know, people forget sometimes. And I was, remember, I was in the fish oil camp for a long time, right? So, um, you know, I, we, you hear this promulgated often, you know, oh, we can, we can barely convert ALA to EPA, DHA. Therefore, you just got to take your fish oil, just get the business end, right? which makes sense, right? It does. It's a, great, um, it's a great tool. It's a great tool to be able to take in preformed DPA, DHA. Um, but individuals who are uh, of Nordic descent, Norwegian descent, who did get access to the coasts, um, they don't carry at as high a frequency that same allele, those same alleles, right? They're, relatively speaking, they're hypometabolizers. So what happens in, th- in their case is they're relatively protected from seed oils and omega-6 rich diets, relatively speaking, right? Relative to the individual who's like homozygous for that, you know, those genes in Central Africa. They're relatively protected from a crappy diet that's loaded in omega-6. And then those, in those individuals, you give them just a little bit of EPA, DHA, and they become hyper responders to fish oil but the individual again with those other hyper hypermetabolic metabolic genes that doesn't do well with a, a, a high in a high omega-6 environment you're going to need to throw a ton of fish oil their way just to move the needle and that my friends is why the data that we see is polluted essentially because you're nobody ever controlled for you know very few studies have ever controlled for the nutrigenetics of the individual being enrolled in the study before they supplement them or before they randomize them to placebo or official you see so in this case what smart prime does is it helps to basically turn on that metabolic machinery and it helps to right size it and right side it a little bit so in the individual who does have you know the suboptimal genetics if you will it will relatively speaking protect them from over utilizing that omega-6 pathway and it will leave the omega-3 pathway open for them to get more end product more epa dha dpa from their precursors and in those individuals if you also add fish oil on top of it then you're going to get an even more robust response in terms of an improvement in their omega-3 index and we can talk about later on not just improving the pool of omega-3s but the packaging and the processing what do you do with it once you you're loading somebody with EPA or DHA now in the individuals the question is well then again to your point before if I've got you know normal hetero, heterozygous genetics or I don't have that SNP, is there any any point in me using smart prime the question the, the answer is absolutely because there are still additional benefits from the constituents of smart prime even if it did nothing to enhance your omega-3 metabolism. there's still some additional benefits of sesamin and sesamolin and episesamine the lignans. Uh, there's still some benefits to getting methyl in there but together you're still um, you're still in- improving the metabolism in other ways, not just omega-3 but you're, you're increasing this cool unique biomarker uh lipid that you're probably going to start hearing a lot more about called LPC 182 which stands for lysophosphatidylcholine and 182 is just 18 carbons long and 2 means there's two double bonds so it's a it's basically linoleic acid but it's loaded in the um in this like lysophosphatidylcholine package um so that will still help and benefit anyone, regardless of your genetics. And regardless of your genetics, we're still living in a very obesogenic environment in a, you know, we're living in an environment that's, that we're surrounded by that um, creates cardiometabolic insults almost on a daily basis. So those individuals would still benefit from smart Prime, And then the third reason I would say it's important for somebody with even optimal genetics to, uh, for PUFA metabolism to benefit from Smart Prime is you're, um, you're actually able to do more with less. So you could potentially take less omega-3 in your diet. You could maybe get away with uh, ha- splurging on foods that might have a little more omega-6 and you'd be relatively uh, protected if you're consuming Smart Prime at that roughly 500 milligram a day
3: dose.
0: All right, I have so many questions, <laughs> Ben. Do you, if you want to jump in before I, I go, I feel free. I
3: I, I wanted. <laughs> I'm excited to, to do the deep dive. I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna go inception here. But uh, before we go super deep, I, I, at like a very surface level for um for the consumers who d- maybe won't understand as far as we're going to go. On a very surface level, what what kind of difference in uh, omega dosing are we looking at here? Like, if you are taking a, a very run-of-the-mill omega-3 uh, supplement, could would you be expecting to be using less of it, like you said before, getting more out of less? Um, what would you expect to see in there, like, in terms of what you've already found data-wise?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question, Ben. I think to take it more high level than that, um, instead of... Uh, Instead of giving you a um, a dose or a number of you know an amount of omega three that you could that you could get away with taking right and still seeing benefit, I think what I would do is um, basically refer you to some of the data that we do have um, for the patent that that was some of the proof of concept data that we're going to validate in more larger uh, human randomized controlled trials, which is imagine being able to not change anything. About your background diet, right? So, or your supplementation status. So, let's say you're still you're supplementing with your two to four grams of EPA DHA from your favorite fish oil company. Um, if all you did was add uh, even 250 to 500 milligrams, uh, there is a dose dependency here. But if you're in that range, 250 to 500 milligrams of Smart Prime, just add that alone without changing anything else in uh, eight to 12 weeks. You could expect to see an increase in your omega-3 index, uh, upwards of anywhere between 35 to 45 percent, just in your omega-3 index alone, just by adding Smart Prime. So, uh, so I would basically say you don't have to change anything about your current strategy. Keep taking your favorite fish oil. Keep taking if you're vegan, keep taking your algae or your uh, flax, perilla, ahi flour, whatever you're taking. Um, but if you just add this, you're going to go much further in terms of tissue levels, your pool of omega-3, the omega-3 index. And we could, we could define what that means, but it's basically the percentage of EP and DHA that's found in the, um, in the outer leaflet of your red blood cell and your membrane, which is indicative that you can get from a blood sample. And that's mm-hmm. indicative of what your omega-3 status is and there's basically three main categories that you can fall in on on omega 3 index right there's less than 4% which means you're at very high risk for cardiovascular disease or cardiometabolic disease there's 4 to 8% which is kind of intermediate and then there's greater than 8% which is ideal and optimal that's where you want to be so you want your omega 3 index to be above 8 so with smart prime if you're starting off the us average is about you know between four to four and a half percent that's the u.s average population so if you start off at four and a half percent and all you did even if you're supplementing a little bit even if you're you you know you're following whatever diet you're following all you did was add smart prime you could reliably expect it's what we're seeing we're going to validate it but what we're seeing is you could expect to go from say four and a half percent to about five and a half to six percent so that's moving the needle substantially, and that's without um, and and that's dose dependent. So the more Smart Prime you take, you could potentially move that over more. We saw one of our subjects who was a relative responder, like a hyper responder. Uh, they went up a full two and a half points. So they went from like they started at five and they went almost to that optimal zone of eight percent, seven and a half percent.
3: And how is Smart Prime? Uh- deployed or, or used? What's the deliveries? It, this is powders, capsules. Um, I, we talked a little bit pro, pre-call, but I want to record all of this. Uh, what different yeah. ways can we expect it to be used in products? Yeah, Brandon, you want to take,
2: yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, this can be put into a soft gel with, you know, if you wanted to do a combined omega-3 product, um, you know, with soft, with, with a soft gel, you could do it as a standalone product, or, you know, if you used a powdered omega-3. Um, you know, spray dried fat powder, or, or there's some other cool uh, technology out there as well. Um, you can do it in a capsule. Um, it's very neutral in flavor, so it can be easily flavored around. And actually I have uh, what's expected to be delivered tomorrow. Um, an actual, we've successfully got it into gummies as well um, at 250 milligrams uh, per gummy. So um, I'll get to try those tomorrow. So hopefully those taste really good, but um, yeah, you can pretty much, you know, Pick a pick a type of delivery, and you can put it in that.
1: Well, imagine for kids, right? With a gummy delivery, I mean, that's like how hard is it to be able to get our kids to take? You know, I mean, it depends on when you start. I mean, my daughters, you know they 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 were we were popping Nordic Naturals soft gels in their in their milk. Um, back then. <laughs> but no.
0: My questions are going to stay like surface level at first too. So yeah. basically it sounds like we have an ingredient here. The constituents you, you mentioned real quickly. So it sounds like there's uh, MSM, which was generally a sulfur providing uh, a joint supplement that, um, you know, clinically dosed usually around a gram a day or so. It sounds like you're, you're pulling either you're using MSM straight or something from that. Um, mm-hmm. And then some uh, extracts of like sesame seed oil, like uh, yeah. sesame yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. The question yep. is like, uh, so is this is going to, I'm assuming it's going to be a patented ingredient of yours. So maybe we could talk about it a little bit. Are you actually like changing? We were talking a, lo- a little bit about the genetics and stuff. Are you actually changing into the genetic coding or are you actually just like providing precursors for the body? Like, what are you, what are you doing here?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good question, Mike. Yeah. So, so you're right. It's a, it's the, this first iteration, the patent covers, multiple different lignans that we've studied from both black and white sesame seeds. Um, It's really cool, actually, because like we, we, you know, We've gone through animal seeds and they actually each have a slightly no surprise, right? It's, it's, it's what nature does. It's pretty cool. They have a different profile of like sesame to sesame to epi and in that ratio of the lignans. Um, and then we do uh, use MSM as our choice of um, optimizing your methylation status. Most people use MSM as a way to deliver sulfur, like bioavailable sulfur. That's why it's used in, you know, essentially joint health, connective tissue health, um, uh, skin, hair, nail health, etc. Um, uh, but it also has some really other pro- some cool properties that I think often go underlooked, and it, we're using it as kind of a dual agent, as both a sulfur donor, um, which does some good things to general um, sulfur glutathione metabolism, et cetera. But then we're using it as a methyl donor because there's actually two methyl groups on the molecule. If you look at MSM, it's like oh wow, cool! There are two methyl groups sitting there. And it, when you look at the chemistry of it, those, those methyl groups can easily be donated to your own methylation cycle um, uh, that your body needs to utilize in order for it to be able to run a, a ton of different programs um, uh, physiologically. So, so we use that as the blend. Um, you asked about, uh, about the, is, is there a way that, what was your, your last question?
0: I was basically like, so are you, we mentioned genetics, are you changing oh, the genetic, genetic coding yeah. or, you know, that's obviously something that yeah. some are doing. I don't know if that's, you know, dietary supplements or are you providing the precursors or both? Or no, like-
1: no, that's a good question yet. Yeah. No. So what we're doing here is this, the, uh, lignans that are found in sesame seed. What they do is, um, those molecules end up interacting with um uh with receptors and with other transcription factors inside the cell so what they do is they just work within your own genetics we're not changing genetics it's not not a gmo issue (laughs) yeah nothing like that all we're doing is changing essentially you know the word the buzzword that everyone's using now as well epigenetics right this is an epigenetic phenomenon it's a nutrigenetic phenomenon or nutrigenomics we're changing the expression of some of those genes so we're turning on some of the genes for d5d that delta 5d saturase enzyme the longase enzyme we can impact as well these are enzymes that are part of that let's call it the um, the assembly line of your omega-3 and omega-6 metabolism uh, metabolic machinery like what what you end up feeding it and then what you end up on the other side of the assembly line as the output the end product so it takes what you feed it, your, your body, your enzymes, uh, your enzymes are products of your genes. So we're turning those genes on um, and we're allowing that machinery to take place more efficiently. So you can make more of that Omega three end product uh, with the 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 end you're providing. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it's, it, you're, you're basically helping us giving us the tools that makes us better at processing the Omega threes. As we kind of asked before, Um yep. Is it also going to make me better at making arachidonic acid if I eat a ton of fast food every day?
1: Yeah, no. So here's what's cool about uh, the lignans is these particular lignans, they interact with the active site, uh, which basically means like the pocket that these en- enzymes contain. Um, enzymes are a catalyst. So they have a substrate and then they change the structure of that chem. They basically do chemistry. They're like active little um, chemical uh, modulators or machines that allow us to add, to speed up the process of uh, whatever chemistry is available to us so what what's happening is these enzymes that our bodies make they basically have like a pocket and that pocket cannot be it can be occupied by an omega-6 precursor or an omega-3 precursor and what sesame does is it makes that pocket less amenable or less comfortable for an omega-6 to come in there and take a seat and it allows the omega-3 like alpha-linolenic acid to come in and sit in the pocket and then get processed. So you're almost like preferentially speeding up the highway. You're basically cranking up the speed limit of the omega-3 lane and then you're slowing down the omega-6 lane in the highway so that you're making more of the good end product that you want. And a little less of the arachidonic acid. It's not a binary, you know, on-off thing. It's not. It's always being modulated. It's like you're coaxing it in that direction. So um, I don't know if that does that analogy make sense about the two different lanes?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, so uh, one of the things you've kind of insinuated this, but like I want to make it very clear that I and I agree with the insinuations that um, the overload of Ultra-processed foods with the omega-6 polyunsaturated fatty acids coming from like soybean oil, corn oil, all these oils, um, processed toxic oils, in my opinion, uh, cause us to have far too much linoleic acid. And what there a study pu- published by Stephane Guyanet. I'll I'll set it in the show notes, and mm. it showed that our fatty our fat tissue stores over the last few generations. Um, obviously we've become more obese in general, but the fat tissue stores are, are containing more of this linoleic acid as well, like a, a, a catastrophic amount of linoleic acid. So my question is a lot of the people who are interested in, um, in fish oils have cardiometabolic issues they're, they're, they're likely higher in body fat as well, possibly obese. One of the issues in becoming unobese is that you're going to have to burn your, you're going to have to burn that fat and your outcomes, a lot of this linoleic acid. So I'm wondering if there is a diet application, is this going to be protective for us? Because when they burn the body fat that has tons of linoleic acid, some, some of that can oxidize and cause all sorts of downstream problems, which is better to lose weight, obviously. But I'm wondering, like the way I'm thinking about this is like, it seems very protective against some of these issues that are so prevalent in society and that aren't being discussed enough. I'm wondering, like, if you see, if we see this as a diet application as well. I
1: I would, I would definitely see a diet application here, guys. I mean, basically if you've got a, like, you know, the metabolic health category, the GDA category, for example, which can kind of play in those, in those right. And on those different sides of the fence, sometimes um, people like to, you know, work on non-stim fat loss, body recomp, body comp, Um, This would certainly be an ingredient in my um, sort of, I guess, palette of colors of ingredients. If you're formulating a non-STEM fat loss product or even, you know, a a lipolytic product, if you add this in there, if if anything, you're going to coax the liver, um, you know, the hepatic thermogenesis may improve because we do know even just the sesame component of this alone we do know it does some really cool things in the liver like PPAR alpha upregulation activation. That's a really cool gene network that downstream of that, what you're doing is you're making the cells better at oxidizing or burning fatty acids, and you're helping to decrease triglyceride levels while you're getting healthier, while you're getting leaner. So yeah, I think to your point, this is a cool opportunity to get healthier while you're getting leaner, um, especially in individuals, to your point, that are loaded right now and Linoleate, uh, linoleic acid, and linoleate. So.
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm like. I, yeah. I, I'm seeing this. This. There's a lot of stuff that you could do with this in the future. This is really. This is really interesting. This is.
1: It has very broad, broad applications, right? I mean, yeah, I, was, I, mean I was almost going to say this is order, but I don't think I'm allowed like, to say
0: that. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, th- those are the, the most of my questions. I know. So, you, um, in general, you have like you know three or four main bullet points that you get, that you have discussed in some of your articles um and there's a, a powerpoint presentation so if you want to kind of go into those but i'm kind of starting to see where where this belongs and that's that's why i wanted to ask those questions and make sure that i understood uh, kind of the mechanism so I, i'm like fully i'm like fully on board with this i'm excited
1: yeah awesome awesome man thanks um so but, i think we, we covered a little bit of like some of the uh, metabolic benefits right so uh anyone who's interested in improving their um you know, let's say they're, they're markers of insulin resistance. Um, and the other reason I'll mention that here is beyond what we've already covered. There's this really cool marker called LPC 18 two. I mentioned briefly earlier, uh, LPC 18 two is actually linoleic acid. It is a linoleic acid species of phospholipid. It's a phosphatidylcholine, um, backbone. It's missing, the reason they call it Lyso, it's because it's missing one of the fatty acid tails from the like SN3 position on the backbone. So it's got three positions on the glycerol backbone. One of them is the choline head, the polar head. And then you've got a fatty acid in the middle, um, which is usually a polyunsaturated fatty acid. And that one can either be an omega-6 or it can be an omega-3. So if your diet is loaded in omega-6, you're mostly going to have that occupied by linoleic acid. So to your point before about uh, Steve Guillenet's article, like we literally are what we eat, right? Um, Especially more so with fats, more so with lipids than probably any other macronutrient. I mean, when you think about it, right? Um, You know, truly what you consume and the composition of fats in your background diet, in your macros, that will eventually end up becoming part of every membrane in every cell, uh, in every organ and tissue in the body. So that's like a really heavy realization when you think about how you can impact or influence your health, your longevity, and um, your overall well-being, as well as your obviously your performance, um, if you're interested in you know, day-to-day performance, regardless of what you do. Um, but there's also uh, going beyond the, so the lpc 182 has been such an important marker of insulin resistance. It's been part of these new panels like Quantos IR, uh, which is um, a, a panel by a company called Metabolon that does some really cool work. Uh, they basically take like your blood and their, their life's work is they take your blood and they do like this big Profile or chromatographic spread, and they look at every metabolite that they can possibly find in your blood, um, and they try to then make predictions or associations. So one of those is like, what's the risk that you will become a type two diabetic in the next five years? And some of that work was done with Quantos IR, and LPC eighteen two is one of those markers that is is a big one. So the higher your levels of uh, LPC 18.2, the lower your risk of developing um, type 2 diabetes, even if you're pre diabetic. And there's been some really cool work recently in the Baltimore Longevity Study, the BLS study, where 18.2 was one of the strongest predictors of your level of functional capacity if you had sarcopenia or if you didn't have sarcopenia as you got older. Um, your gait speed, like how well you're able to ambulate and walk over time. Um, so one of the things that Smart Prime is doing is it it uh, we've seen already in our data, and it's part of our IP. We're increasing levels of LPC18-2. So in addition to improving your omega-3 index, the one omega-6 marker that you actually want to see improve is this LPC18-2, because one of the areas it's huge in is mitochondrial health. So there's this this compound in the mitochondria that's very rich in the mitochondria called cardiolipin. And cardiolipin is a type of sphingolipid. Um, Basically, the long and short of it is, it's critical for how the electron transport chain functions in every mitochondria in every cell. If your cardiolipin, uh, cardiolipid status is not optimized, then you're not gonna be very efficient or as efficient at making ATP through the electron transport chain. It's that last, like it's part of what makes that ATPase at the very end of the chain where you're bouncing around electrons and passing them off. And then you get to the end and that hydrogen ion comes through. And at the end, it spins this complex through the inner mitochondrial membrane and you get ATP, you you make ATP and water at the end of electron transport chain. Um, cardiolipin is essential for that, like spinning channel, that that transport protein, that ATPase, the enzyme that is the business end of electron transport chain to work well. So LPC182 is 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 necessary. It's an obligate component of this cardiolipin, and that's part of why we also feel we're indirectly improving mitochondrial health. So it's metabolic health. Um, mitochondrial health, which plays into all of these areas. And then there's cognitive, the brain. That's another area we can get into, which is there's only one way for DHA, which we all know is important for brain development, brain health and retina, right? Eye health. There's only one way for DHA to get into the brain effectively. And that is through a transport protein that's at the blood brain barrier. You can't just consume a ton of DHA and EPA and expect it to make its way to the brain. It doesn't work that way. The only way it can get to the brain is it needs to be packaged correctly. And that's the second thing that Smart Prime does is one is it increases your pool so you can load more DHA, more EPA, more DPA in your, in your tissues. But the other one is processing and packaging. Um, the analogy here, it's kind of like, like Amazon, right? Everyone's familiar with Amazon now or 3PL. If you put the wrong sticker on the package or you put it in the wrong package and then it never gets to its destination, right? Whatever you end up ordering. So here for DHA to get to the brain, it needs to be packaged correctly and it needs to be in that LPC. So DHA needs to be loaded as that fat in that LPC instead of it being LPC 18-2, like we said before, it needs to be LPC 22 colon um six which is DHA so you can load DHA in that package and now if it's in the blood as LPC DHA now it can get access to the to the brain across the blood-brain barrier this is called the it's the MFSD 2 a transporter there's there's you probably hear a lot of people like uh like Rhonda Rhonda Patrick she talks about eating like salmon roe in order to get like DHA So it's a great concept, great idea. You can get choline, you can get DHA, you can get EPA. Problem is um, that the body doesn't work that way. You can't just consume preformed LPC DHA and expect that it's going to get through your digestive tract all the way to your brain in that fashion. It doesn't happen that way. So the body actually breaks it off into its components and then repackages it after it's been through circulating through the entire body makes its way back to the liver, which is why you can't just depend on eating, um, you know, salmon roe in order to improve your brain's amount of DHA. You can get more DHA that way. And if you're metabolically healthy and your methylation status is on point and your homocysteine levels low and everything's working, then you can, you can take that DHA and, and package it correctly and get it to the brain. So, um, so yeah, so brain health, cardiovascular health, metabolic health. Um, we even have a study. I'm not sure if Brandon let you know, we've got a study. It's going to be starting soon for, uh, hair health, which, um, don't worry. I'm not going to be the spokesperson for the the, (laughs) hair follicle health study, but, um, the only
3: bald one today.
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's right. That's right. So, um, can yeah, I, if, it's for, <laughs> if it's for chest hair or back hair, I'm I'm in, I'm in.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so definitely not, yeah. uh, you uh, you mentioned before, and I think you talked about time a, a little bit, but you mentioned it's it's not an on or off switch. It is kind of coaxing in a, in a direction. Uh, but mm-hmm. in terms of effective time, you mentioned before uh, the concept of like GDAs, which you, you take with glucose and it happens then. But uh, a lot there's there's we're talking about, you know, a few different benefits here. How long are we going to be looking to be taking this product before we see those benefits. Uh, Cause that's going to play a lot into the products that we're gonna be talking about as well. Um, you were mentioning, uh, kind of like preventing the, uh, impact of fast food or whatever, but this isn't a product you could take with that fast food. This is a product you have to be taking for a while is kind of what I'm putting together, right?
1: Yeah. This is not one of those acute, like, it's not like, uh, like our alpha lipoic acid, for example, right? It's not like RALA where it can work acutely. Um, you'll need to take it over time and allow the, the nutrigenetics to do their thing. Um, I will say some of the immunomodulatory, anti-inflammatory benefits, um, I'm not making any claims, but I'm just saying there are some interesting immunomodulatory benefits, um, uh, I guess, decreasing inflammation related to exercise or as a matter of, you know, day-to-day activity, um, uh, that inflammation response can be affected by the lignans that we do have in here, that could work within a matter of three to seven days, even as little as uh, three to seven days, all the way up to two weeks, that can begin working, the anti-inflammatory benefits. Uh, so, but some of the other benefits, you're right, they're gonna take you know, four to eight you know, weeks at least,
3: yeah. So you mentioned uh, inflammation you know, surrounding training. Uh, mm-hmm. Arachidonic acid is commonly used, uh, actually, on purpose to increase inflammation right. from training this is i promise i will only talk about hypertrophy for a very short amount of time here but we have a lot of no, it's cool let's, let's dig in yeah yeah but yeah. we have to service the bro community for a little bit uh sure. anytime we talk about antioxidants peri workout we get these all these people are like well if i take these antioxidants it's going to ruin my inflammation and you need inflammation to you know cause muscle trauma and then recover from which is Uh, all true and everything but and I understand this is not a yes or no question but Mm -hmm. how much of an impact are users going to see on hypertrophy if they're physique athletes or if you know that's what their mind is on
1: yeah I I would and I'm going to speculate a little bit here right obviously because we don't have the data yet but based on what we do know and based on how we know these the mechanisms and the targets of how these ingredients work I'm actually not worried about like having a um, like hormetic dampening effect on training from smart prime at all. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we're, we're happy with its mechanism, right? It's because it's not like an NSAID. It's not like a non anti-inflammatory. It's not like you're taking ibuprofen or aspirin where, you know, you're going to get it affecting your prostaglandins, um, you know, within a matter of hours. Right. Um, because that's the whole point, right? People take arachidonic acid just to kind of uh, stay on that topic. Because uh, they're trying to increase the amount of s- a specific prostaglandin that we know has been linked to increases in muscle protein synthesis, um, you know things like PGF2 alpha, for example, right? That's a pro-inflammatory prostaglandin that we know arachidonic acid impacts. Um, it be- because this is just modulating; it's still permissive. In other words, it's we're not we're not. Um, completely preventing your body from using or making arachidonic acid. We're simply kind of just trying to right size and right side, um, a scenario that's already so overwhelmingly, you know, tipping in one direction. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I understand, and I, I've actually been a part of some of that research myself. I, I was actually a co-author on one of the papers on arachidonic acid in humans, right. For strength training adaptations, but, I, am a little suspect because I really feel like, uh, as a, as a society, I think we've got more than enough arachidonic acid for the permissive effects that we're looking for after a strength training stimulus. Um, I think we've got plenty of, uh, kindling, uh, you know, uh, around us to be able to light up if we need to, right. I don't think we need to add that much more. Um, uh, so, but I do understand like the, the, obviously the, the, the theory and, um, and the potential application of arachidonic acid. Here, I'm, I'm actually curious to see if we see any impact on body composition where we can, we might actually be able to, and again, I'm speculating, but we might be able to see a scenario where, um, because we're impacting some of the pro-inflammatory catabolic aspects of training uh, without impacting the anabolic side of things negatively, uh, especially with respect to EPA, like combining a high-dose EPA product with Smart Prime, uh, I think, you know, there's, there's good data so far to suggest that when you add it to protein, adding omega-3 to protein, we know increases uh, some markers of muscle protein synthesis, actually, right? That work's been done. Uh, Chris McGlory out of University Sterling, uh, some work out of um, Kevin Tipton, the late Kevin Tipton's lab, they, they actually showed when you add omega-3 Smith, Dr. Smith's lab um, here in Washu in Missouri, they showed that when you add omega-3, you can actually increase and, and do it like with a clamp study with an insulinemic uh, euglycemic clamp study. You can increase markers of um, mTORC activation and um, muscle protein synthesis. Um, and we think what's driving that is probably EPA more so than DHA, as far as, you know, when it comes to the fish oil components. So, Uh, So I'd say, yeah, for the bros, like, yeah, don't be afraid. You know, this is not going to hold your gains back at all, you know, from, from training. It shouldn't. That's awesome. I'm
0: going, to, hear going to do my best to get uh, as many of these studies into the show notes as possible because there's just, you have so much information. We've wanted to get you out of this podcast for years just so he could say. So, uh, <laughs> I, and sorry for cutting off Ben. So, yeah, I, I mean, it would be no. an awesome thing to have you as a, a semi regular guest because you are a wealth of knowledge here. So, thank you. Um, ben, no, I, I, I cut you off. Good. So, if you want to say ask another question, you can. I was going to get back to like kind of the, the packaging uh, of DHA for the brain. Um, is there anything that we're doing? Uh, lifestyle wise it's making us worse with that packaging or is that just kind of how it is how it was you know how it always was and uh and we're just trying to like optimize hu- the human condition
1: yeah no it's a, it's a great point so part of what we know is that it when when let's say you all you did was just start supplementing with uh, a high quality fish oil that's that's high in EPA or DHA
0: and that's another thing a lot of fish oils out there are not high quality and have plenty of omega-6 on their own, but. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, no, you're right. You're right. And and I used to be a little bit of a snob in terms of like the form also, right? Like, you know, oh, it's got to be triglyceride or phospholipid or, you know, the the whole bioavailability, bio-utilization. Look, you know, I, I changed my mind based on available data. And honestly, over the last five years, I've changed my mind dramatically there. I used to be much more in favor of you, you should use a triglyceride-based form, right? That's how we've evolved to handle lipids or fats, right? It's triglycerides. Um, but look, the, the data says otherwise, right? If you're, if you're running a race, then yes, the, your uh, choice of the delivery of fish oil in a triglyceride versus ethyl ester versus phospholipid or, or free fatty acid matters. But if you're not running a sprint, if you're just worried about long-term, loading, then it almost doesn't matter over time. Honestly, after eight to 12 weeks, especially if you're consuming the ethyl ester with a a meal, a lipid rich meal, ideally, um, that's going to stimulate, um, you know, bile flow and bile salt emulsification, that sort of thing. Um, So but what happens is is um, I I think getting back to your question about how how it ends up uh, impacting You're saying uh, how it ends up impacting, remind me again, what that question was?
0: Okay, So I was basically just trying to get a little more background on if there was like already, if there's a problem with uh, the way we package our DHA brain.
1: Yes, so we break ourselves. Yeah, yeah, so here's what happens. So basically uh, after you consume your EPA or DHA, it gets absorbed mostly into the lymphatics actually. Uh, It doesn't go directly to the liver the way most other nutrients do with first pass metabolism. And I think that's something that often confuses people. They don't realize these really long chain fats do not make their way to the liver first, the way that short chain or even medium chain triglycerides do, right? They they get access to the liver immediately in portal circulation from the small intestine, not with long chain fats, including fish oil, EPA, DHA, uh, even ALA, even palmitic acid, anything above 12 carbons. It's got to be absorbed through the lymphatics. And then it gets dumped into something called the thoracic duct uh, from the, the lymphatic system into the venous system. And then it makes its way through the body and then eventually gets its way back into the liver. So when that EP or DHA gets into the liver, it has to be loaded as, as into something, right? And it can be, it can be stored as a triglyceride In which case that's the package that it's stored in and it's a lipid droplet if it's in body fat in adipose, it also will be stored in the lipid droplet within the within the fat cell. But in order for it to make its way and be delivered to the brain or to the heart or to skeletal muscle and other tissues, it needs to be part of a lipoprotein package. Hence, it needs to be part of like your LDL, VLDL, HDL, one of these lipoproteins. And or it needs to be part of become part of your membrane, your plasma membrane, your cell membrane. When it's part of your membrane or lipoproteins, that's where it's going to have to be in a package. Typically, these things get loaded as a what's called a PE or phosphatidyl ethanolamine phospholipid package. It could also be phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylinositol, other phospholipids, and phosphatidylcholine, of course. But usually the first step is it gets loaded as a PE. That's like the reservoir. The problem is if you have, if you're metabolically unhealthy, if you're overweight, you've got insulin resistance, if you're, um, if you're like, uh, if you have an issue with like folate metabolism and your homocysteine level is high or, or you're vitamin B12 deficient or your methylation status is not good, then what happens is it gets sequestered. It almost gets stuck. As that PE, when you load it, and then it can no longer move into the PC form, which is ultimately where you want that DHA and EPA to end up. Because if you want it to participate in all these wonderful responses, you know, the prostaglandins, the anti inflammatory stuff, the, all the benefits, the business end of fish oil, why we take fish oil to begin with, from cardiovascular to heart, to, you know, full body health, anti inflammatory, joint health, et cetera you need to get it into that phosphatidylcholine form. So what happens is if if you're unhealthy or your methylation status is inadequate, you get stuck in that PE package. So we need to move it to the PC package. And the way we do that is, is by having some sort of a methyl donor. In this case, we use MSM as our methyl donor, but our our IP and our patent, and we've done studies in animals uh, that shows that if you use, Uh, you know, B12, folate, B6, B2 combo works great. If you use betaine, trimethylglycine also works as well. But it it actually didn't work as well as the MSM. That surprised us a little. It was almost like a little side IP that we established from the MSM. And you're delivering sulfur, which is important as well in its own right. Um, Does that make sense about the PE versus PC? Like if you're not healthy, you're going to get sequestered and stuck.
0: Yeah, that, and that's you know, those are the exact people who are probably going to be told to take fish oil more often than not too. So we we find ourselves in these situations that need um, correcting. That's is really cool.
1: And you know, are you guys familiar with that study that was published, the Vitacog studies from uh, EU from Oxford University? It's the it's basically the study that showed they have a patented blend of B six B twelve. I think it's B6, B12 folate, and then I believe it's also, they add a fish oil, which can come from any source, but it's mostly the B, the, 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 the folating, the, the methyl folates and the activated B, B vitamins in a Vitacog study was shown to actually, as an intervention, increase the um, volume of the hippocampus and also of the cere- cerebral cortex, the gray matter, and the reason we feel that's happening is because it we they probably tapped into the same mechanism that we tapped into here with the methylation status. You're probably able to get more of with those B vitamins in t- intact. You're able to get more of that PE DHA into the PC, which can then deliver it to the brain and then help with neurogenesis and uh, maintenance of gray matter and brain volume over over time. So I think that was that's a cool little like connection to be able to make and connect the dots and say oh that's why methylation status is also important for the brain not only all the neurotransmitter stuff and everything acutely but over time the brain needs b vitamins to be able to get your ep and dha in the right package so then you can get it into the brain Hmm.
0: okay no and uh, so can you spell that out vitacogs or what was it
1: yeah, VitaCog, like V I T A C O G, like Vita, okay. like Vitamin Cognition. Yeah, It'll be
0: in the show notes once I find it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. You're you're putting together a lot of stuff that you know. Obviously, we we don't cover fish oil as often. I don't think a lot of people have gone down these rabbit holes. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> trying to connect uh, some dots. Yeah. And so
0: so it sounds like there's other ways to do this, but MSM ended up mm-hmm. working better. That's that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a little additional. Yeah. Side. You know. Sort of
3: um hack that we found can i so can i ask This is a little bit more of a brandon question yeah. but where we're going to find this in the market obviously on our on our show notes we will uh note every place forever as, as it's live but as of this podcast here um i'm assuming we'll see it kind of working its way into omega products there's obviously a larger group for it but as of march 2022 i th- Every time we do one of these, we talk about a new, exciting ingredient. Everyone wants to know where they can find it right away. You know, people who are trying to find it now, what should they start looking for?
2: Yeah. So, um, currently the, the main products that are out on the market, um, yeah. if you're looking for a combined fish oil plus smart prime product, um, there's two out. Um, well, one is actually about it's it's in the process of being here. Uh, so I'll, I'll say that it's available, but so you have the Leviathan, uh, Omega, which is already out. Um, and then also life force, uh, their omega also, um, like I said, should be available any day now. Um, so those, those two are, are your fish oil. Um, also DNA health has a, a, uh, an omega with it as well. Um, if you want to look for it as a standalone to really kind of take it with, maybe you're, you're happy with your Nordic naturals, fish oil, or whatever brand that you're using. Um, you know, DNA health actually has their omega optimizer. Uh, which also which is pretty much um smart prime plus uh astrogen in it as well um there are some some pretty big players um one of which that i know is uh eminent on launching i can't disclose who but it um you you'll know about it here within the next uh month or two
3: we'll obviously keep it live for everyone so that it's it's rolling but having that standalone one is going to be really popular for a lot of people um who are already happy with their (laughs) omega obviously so that well in another good
2: Sorry to cut no, you no, off right. there, but another another quick benefit with that too is, um, you know, a lot of our data actually showed that even without the consumption of an additional omega-3, right? So let's say maybe you have an allergy to fish or um, you, you want to kind of stay away from, you, you realize that like maybe the vegan versions or ALA and stuff, you know, aren't as optimal, whatnot. Uh, we actually showed that um, you're seeing a benefit with Smart Prime by itself. So um, you are seeing, you know, the benefit of it you know obviously it takes it to another whole level when you combine it with with an omega but at the at the same time you still get some some positive benefits by us as a standalone product
3: and so as for consumption of the ingredient is it is do you guys under uh have any data on like when it's best used with is it you mentioned estrogen so i'll ask if that helps specifically with it should it be with food or you know what's the best environment to be taking the product
2: yeah i mean i would say and Hector, ahead, You can, you can add, add in as well. Um, but I mean, again, because it's a, a lipid based, you know, uh, ideation, you know, I would be consuming it with meals. Um, Hector, you can add in a little bit more. if You feel that, you know, on an empty stomach or what time of day is better. I, I think that's probably, you know, you, you can get a little bit better advice on that one.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think the, the timing isn't as critical, which is nice because you, the, the important thing is that someone's consuming it over time. Um, the nice thing about these um, lignans is even though they do really well in a lipid-rich environment, um, so with a fatty meal would be great, uh, the lignans, unlike fatty acids, um, uh, are a little more soluble. Um, and so even if you take it on, a, on an empty stomach, it might not be a bad idea either because if it wins the race, if you will, to the liver, um, it's sort of ready. To, it's turning on the machinery so that when the fatty acids arrive, um, it can do its thing. But again, that's just speculating about like timing. It's almost like creatine timing in a way, right? It's like, just get it in, find a way to get it in. Um, if you, if you want to get really into the weeds, um, uh, then possibly on a, you know, before your meal, like when you're still empty, so that it wins the race to the liver, to hepatic circulation, that might be a, a good way to consume it. And then if you're going to go AM versus PM, Uh, Again, it's probably going to be marginal as long as you're getting it in. Uh, But if you want to be optimal based on like the circadian, what we know about the circadian rhythm in terms of how it affects like chronometabolism, like how the liver behaves in the morning versus later on in the day and overnight um, uh, with with respect to circadian biology, I I would probably prefer to take it in the PM. um, You know, uh, so maybe before dinner, for example, would be a great place to take your 500
3: mix awesome Well, um speaking for myself i I got a lot of (laughs) i got a lot of that hour i don't i don't have any questions left that this is uh this has been really uh illuminating on on the the topic so this 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 has been perfect for me i don't know if mike has more to uh investigate
0: i don't i mean yeah it's putting together it seems like this is one of the situations where the omegas didn't work out as well as anyone would have liked over the last couple of decades and this is going for a solution and, or a partial solution or something better. And that's, that's important to me. And just the fact that, um, it may help steer bodies in the right direction, especially uh, for these diet applications. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very interested in this we're going to be covering this a lot more. We're going to have some deep dives. I'm going to do my best to have like a lot of these studies. I've already found a few of them in the uh, show notes and everything, but I want to write down and keep it up to date as well. Like, you know, over the coming months, full articles and probably have you (laughs) review them as well, really just diving into this stuff, kind of start topically like we did here and then get, get deeper and people can skip over the deep stuff that they need to, because this is important. And, um, and I think a lot of people are kind of becoming very aware of how important it is as you know, what, what's been, what, what we've been doing in this society has not been working the past few generations. So anything that can kind of steer us in the other direction, I'm all for
1: awesome awesome yeah i think uh, there's one other thing like a little nuance on the dose of even though it's it's still proprietary based on the ip the dose of of the lignans that's in here is much higher than what you're going to find i think there's one other brand that i saw that's using a lignin at like five to ten milligrams or something uh in their fish oil product um and that's really more there for as a like to prevent peroxidation because it does actually help to do that so one of the cool things about having the Smart Prime in at this dose is uh, it's going to deliver the kind of lignin dose that's been shown in some clinical populations to uh, to have some benefit as well. Um, so when, when you look at some of the clinical data that's been published on sesame, um, you know, again without making clinical claims, obviously or drug disease claims, um, there is some data there that um, suggests that it works at higher doses than what's currently been used. In the industry so we were fortunate enough to secure and source a a very reliable high-end sesame lignin um complex yeah here so Uh, and it also keeps the fish oil that it gets mixed into fresh it it almost acts as you know like how you'll find tocopherols and rosemary extract for freshness for the for fish oils Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um the the sesame here um of smart prime will also help to to do that as well
0: cool all right, well, don't want to take up too much of your time. I know how much how valuable it is and everything. Um, <laughs> what we're gonna do is we're going to have priceplot.com slash nutrasure n u t r a s h u r e as a place where you can um, look at all the news and all the things that we've tagged with nutrasure over the the coming months as uh, people listen to this, and then you can also sign up for the alerts there so that we notify you when there is something more something new that is nurture based, whether it is Ben talking on YouTube, us talking about a product that has it uh, this podcast or, uh, you know, other new products that contain the, ingre- uh, the ingredients that come from nutrition. Um, it sounds like you have more coming as well. So we'll, we'll, we want to on I'm on this ride. So <laughs> I'm very excited about this.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Smart, Smart Prime is only the first of uh, multiple that we are um, in the process of launching. So um, yeah, stay tuned for, for more. So we have some, some, some more, cool IP that's coming out, um, you later this year.
0: Excellent. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Anything else? W- no, so, I mean, Thank you guys. Where can we, <laughs> where
3: can we find Nutrishure on social media? Uh, is oh, yeah. it just at Nutrishure?
2: Yep. At, uh, Instagram is at Nutrishure, um, LinkedIn, um, Nutri-Sure as well. Uh, same thing with Facebook. So, um, those are our three social sites, um, obviously our website and, uh, yeah, looking forward to it.
3: Awesome. We've got a lot of content coming with you guys, and uh, we'll be we'll looking be looking to reprise this again for the new IP that you guys have coming. So I'm sure we'll want you guys to speak for it for yourselves. (laughs) Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you guys for your time.
2: All right, guys. guys.
3: Take care.